Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Well, time 7.39 and still to come this half hour, a few twists and turns in the sporting world. But first, in Britain, Chancellor George Osborne announced that the taxes on the soft drinks industry would take effect from 2018, taxes that had been debated for some time. And this was a budget statement that came last month, but it spawned a similar discussion in several other countries, including Australia. Now, Gary Whittet is a professor and head of the Discipline of Medicine Department at the University of Adelaide and joins us to discuss this further. Good morning to you. Good morning. Yeah, I mean, certainly this policy has got soft drink makers up in arms and there are plenty of others who are concerned about the poor becoming poorer as we also saw a similar debate uh, from cigarette prices being hiked. First though, can you just tell us why sugar is so harmful and why we need to be concerned about it? So, the two issues is, um, are the, the issue of sugar in it of itself and the second is the vehicle in the form of a liquid, and I'll start with that first. Okay. Uh, when you have calories like that as a non-nutritive liquid, in other words, the only um, substance of any uh, value, if you like, is the sugar, but it's empty calories because there are no other nutrients associated with it. And in addition, when you drink those calories, they don't switch off appetite in the same way that food does. So you get a whole bunch of unnecessary calories, but you still retain hunger, and there are only so many calories you can consume before you start depositing excess calories as fat, and you need to get a certain amount of nutrients in, which is the whole purpose of adequate nutrition. It's to maintain good health. And sugar is not part of that, which is the other part of your question. And that is because sugar has been linked uh, to obesity, to a whole range of other diseases, including dental disease, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and others. But we're all irresistibly drawn to sugar, aren't we? <laughs> I, I mean, well, we're, we're, we're sure we're drawn to sugar because it tastes good, and there's a hedonic value, which, in a sense, is almost addictive. But uh, so you've explained the link to soft drinks, why they're being particularly highlighted at the first uh, line of attack, if you like. But the other question is, how, where do we draw the line in terms of singling out products? Because sugar is found well, in, in a whole manner. Yeah, well, it's very difficult to start targeting composite products where there are other nutrients of, of value it becomes arbitrary and it becomes very difficult. So the one thing that's the low-hanging fruit, if you like, is the sugar drink because we can hydrate perfectly adequately with water. We do not need it for any reason whatsoever. In fact, the argument from the soft drink companies is disingenuous to say the least because for many of them, not all, they make more profit out of other products. For example, Dasani water in the case of Coca-Cola. Now, 
Last October, the Public Health England organisation recommended a 10 to 20% tax on full sugar soft drinks, citing a successful example apparently from Mexico. But uh, we come very quickly, don't we, to the argument that it's the poor that are most affected by this, the poor becoming poorer. What would you say to those? Well, well there's a couple of things to say to that. The first is that the diseases we're talking about are socially graded, so that people in the lower socioeconomic strata are more affected by obesity, they're more affected by diabetes, they're more affected by cardiovascular disease, and they substantially are greater consumers of soft drinks. The notion that this might be a regressive tax is correct, but in fact, that's what you want. You want to target the people who should not be consuming the product the most. Now, that would, at a certain price point, work, and it's been shown to work. So in reality, uh, that is exactly what you wish to occur, and it will occur. And the important point about this is that the money that comes from the taxes ought to, and in most jurisdictions where this is applied, get directed back into healthcare. Mm. Having trust for the government in that scenario is hugely important. If uh, we here in Korea are going to consider this again, our number, if anyone wants to contribute, powder sharp 1013 for 51 per text message. Uh, Professor Wittert, another perhaps unwanted consequence could be just sticking more artificial sweeteners into products like, for example, soft drinks. And, and actually, artificial sweeteners can be just as bad or worse, can't they? That's absolutely correct. And um, th this should not be an argument for increasing consumption of artificial sweetener. This should be an argument for drinking water, um, which is the appropriate drink for hydration. There is data that for people who drink large amounts of sugared soft drink, transitioning to a uh, calorie-free or, or an artificially sweetened drink can be a benefit, but that's no argument uh, for promoting the mm. widespread um, consumption of these products. So some people tell me when I'm considering the drinks that I should be giving to my young children that even fruit juice uh, is extremely high in sugar and and isn't particularly a healthy option. That, that's exactly right. The, the children should be eating the fruit uh, and drinking water. And the argument about um, the liquid formulation and its effect on appetite and the disadvantage of the concentrated sugar uh, when you juice fruit uh, hold true just as much as it does for uh, other sweetened drinks. But the idea that a fruit juice would be in the same category as a, a soft drink is slightly balking as well. And surely we're not going to tax fruit juice considering the vitamins that they also contain. Well, they do contain some vitamins, but, but that's the only real point of differentiation. And again, the argument is that children should learn to eat fruit. Mm. Children who drink large amounts of fruit juice are equally susceptible to dental disease. As, uh, as are those people who are drinking other sugared drink products. Do you and think... also, it's, it's very important to note that when fruit is consumed, uh, there are many things that come with fruit, um, like the large quantities of fiber you get, that don't come with the juice, so that parents are lulled into a false sense of doing the right thing when they give their children juice. Yeah. 
then convincing our toddlers and young children that this is the way to go is also another challenge in itself. But it's not helped by the fact that popular cartoon characters appear on uh, fruit juices aimed at children and, indeed, soft drinks aimed at young children. Should that just be banned altogether, the, the, the marketing towards children? Absolutely. I mean, I think that um, no one would argue for a unitary set of measures and um, a, a regulatory environment that limits the third parent in the home, if you like, telling children what they should be eating and drinking uh, is absolutely essential as a um, part of the support structure around this. Equally, uh, is a cohesive um, and continuous program of education uh, that should run through the school years and beyond. For some, though, all this will just be too much. They'll, they'll think, you know, this takes the pleasure out of life. Maybe their sugary snack is, if not the highlight of the day, you know, one of the highlights of mid-morning, let's say. Uh, and, and they'll feel maybe they should have the freedom to be unhealthy if they so desire or to eat, try and eat a balanced diet that also involves healthy foods. Are, are we being too puritanical? Well, they have the freedom to do so, but the cost associated with it are then borne more by them and less by the rest of society. So uh, freedom to choose does not impose uh, your choices and your consequences on um, the rest of, of, of us. For example, we don't allow people to drive whatever speed they like on the road because that causes accidents and other people suffer. Uh, so I think that, that there's a logical argument for some form of public health uh, legislation, um, it doesn't deny people uh, who wish to consume those products, but it at least socialises the consequences. I mean, the, the thing is, brain scans have shown that sugar can have a, a very addictive effect on, on the brain, and perhaps there's an argument of sticking it in the category with nicotine and some of the other products we uh, find ourselves lured into. Uh, what would you say to that? Well, if it is the case, then um, people have managed very well to discontinue smoking uh, as the fiscal measures and the education that supports it has, has bitten into communities. Cigarette, rates of cigarette smoking have plummeted in Australia in, in many jurisdictions now below 15%. Uh, and we would want to see them very, very much lower than that. So I think that um, just because there's an argument that uh, it appeals to the hedonics and in some ways is addictive, not a reason to condone the ongoing nature of no. behaviour and people can exert some form of control under any circumstances. No, and indeed the addictive nature could be a very strong argument in favour of regulation. But again, is this all rather disturbing for any of our listeners? You can find us on Kakao Talk free of charge by searching TBS EFM via Plus Friend. For now, Professor Wittert, it's been a pleasure having you on the line. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Gary, our pleasure. Gary Whittett from the University of Adelaide. Our email's open to you as well. EFM this morning at gmail.com.